0: having an Indian summer. It's October and it's warm. The heat wave has come back and welcome to the second season of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. We're talking about careers, content creation, social media and all the many things that make media tick. As usual, we'll be talking to professionals from all walks of life, quizzing them about their journey through working life and how modern media and technology has affected them for better or for worse. It's a media show about media people and I'm your host, Sean Weston. In this second show of our new season, I'm talking to Kim Hamer, who describes herself as a marketing director, a property investor, school governor, and a blogger. She's also a prolific reader. This I know from following Kim through her social channels over the years, and if you're looking for an honest and thorough book review, you should check out her website at g'dayfromtheuk.com. We first met when I was editor of a food and drink website, and Kim was working for a well-known packaging company. Her skills have led naturally to independent consultancy, and it's in this capacity I bring Kim to your attention through this interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining me on the show.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so a description, marketing director, property investor, school governor, and blogger, right? Which of those challenging life skills brings you the most pleasure?
1: Oh, that's a really tough question. I think there's two, actually. Um, So, um, marketing Definitely. Um, I'm really passionate about what marketing can bring, not just to businesses, but organisations generally. Uh, And the other one is education. And that's quite um, a new passion for me over the last couple of years. I've been a a trustee at a secondary college in London. and, And I've, you know, I've really seen, you know, how we're preparing our young people for you know, this society and life that we're creating for them. And I'm really passionate about more people being involved in helping them to do that.
0: Well, you, you really answered an unfair question, an unfair opener really, really well. Okay. Then. So, <laughs> So tell me more, because obviously you've got an accent. Tell me more about your passage from your native Australia to our humble shores here in the UK.
1: Yes. Well, I've so I've been living in the UK in London um, specifically now for almost 15 years. Uh, So my career has been it's funny, my life, my career particularly has been one of two halves. Um, I spent the first 13 years of my career, um, you know, in Australia, I went to university there. I'm from Melbourne. So um, best coffee in the world <laughs> um, and every time i come i've heard yeah, that every time I come i've to that, London, yeah. I, I have to reset i spend two weeks saying the coffee's rubbish and then i have to get used to it again you know <laughs> otherwise i don't get a caffeine intake um but um i spent a lot of my time in in melbourne in what you would probably call traditional marketing um fmcg Roles, um, consumer goods roles, and a little less business to business. Uh, and then mm-hmm. um, I um, negotiated, shall we say, a redundancy package, um, took a few months off, and in that time um, decided to move to London. It was quite a heartfelt, gut instinct decision. I didn't know anybody, I didn't have a job, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought if I don't do this now, I never will. So I came to London. Um, and in that transition, it was quite difficult to transition directly from the the, the jobs, the kind of jobs I'd had in quite senior marketing um, positions, uh, directly to London. So I spent um, a lot of time in business development roles um, and finding my feet for the first couple of years uh, before I sort of went back into, you know, my my marketing and customer development and and all those sorts of roles.
0: So it's quite a it's quite a leap to make, you know, in your personal life, yes. but professionally, professionally, you also found a culture difference.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, you know, when um, I was living in Australia and thinking about coming, I thought, oh well, you know, we're colonials. We're yeah, you know, I'm I'm just going to another country that speaks English, um, and that's about where the similarity ends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: I. Um, uh, when I was working and living in Australia, I was known as quite a direct Australian uh, in any case. So um, one of the things that I um, struggled with is probably the best word is when I came over here, I couldn't be so direct. I, You know, people um, found me a bit um, aggressive. Um, I offended people. And to get things done, I had to spend a lot of my time going back and sort of cleaning up the mess I'd made by just being
0: direct Uh so i had yeah so can i can i interrupt can i just ask you about that so that that being direct was that um i mean is that you naturally or is that something that uh was a help for you in australia
1: uh it's me naturally um apart apart from being australian um uh my father's also dutch so anybody that knows dutch people knows
0: well, I do very well. I uh, lived in Amsterdam well, they, for a while and they're very straightforward. Yes, yeah. We
1: are, yes. Very pragmatic, very yeah. straightforward. So I had to, yeah, it was a natural tendency. And I had to learn how to soften the edges without losing myself, you know, what was intrinsically yeah. myself. Yeah.
0: I'm not so sure I've managed it yet because I, I like the straightforward approach. You know where you yeah. are, um, uh, you need uh, a thicker skin. Yeah. You know, to, to, to cope with what you can perceive sometimes as criticism, but it's actually not. It's just, you know, that isn't the right way to do it. This is the right way to do it. You know, and you've kind of got to take that on board, haven't you?
1: I think so. Um, I don't know whether it's age or the or the, the culture shock of moving across the other side of the world on my own. But it's it, it's being open um, to the fact that your way is not necessarily the only way or the right People come at um, things from different points of view and people who are very different from me, I learned, have very successful and productive lives. So um, a bit of humility about my way is not the only way uh, is definitely a lesson I've learned.
0: Well, let's talk more about media. Mm. So uh, we should tell the listeners that when we first met, you were actually being interviewed by my employer at the time, and I was the, uh, I suppose, the editorial guy with the camera and the microphones. So was that a comfort zone for you being in front of the camera as a corporate spokesperson? Uh,
1: It hadn't been something I'd done a lot of before. Um, I'd done a lot of speaking um, in my career, but I'd, I'd not been filmed a lot. So being in front of the camera it wasn't so uncomfortable. It was more watching myself back afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we all hate yeah, that, right? Yeah, So, um, <laughs> uh, and I think one of the things it really uh, taught me as well, because often, um, as you know, what would happen is, you know, you'd you'd come to see us, and they'd, you know, the, the questions weren't preempted. Um, so I learned how to, uh, I think, take a pause when the question was asked, and then then say what I wanted to say instead of leaping
0: Think about it. it first.
1: Definitely, and yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was a great um, thing to learn from that experience.
0: Well, we felt at the time that we were doing something that, that our competitors weren't doing, you know, getting into video interviews, at, at, talking to people, going to these conferences. So I, I guess we were also, in a way, learning ourselves, but also helping uh, corporate spokespeople learn the tricks the trade
1: yeah and and now you say that um sean you were the i think you were the only people that came and sort of interviewed us from a video point of view on the stand we had you know we had lots of media come onto the stand and talk to us um and then we'd have a, a write-up or a, a sound bite somewhere afterwards but um i don't know whether that's that's changed now it's been a little while since we've um uh, been on opposite sides of the camera sean but um you know, maybe people do it more now these days, but it was certainly, um, you were one so. of the, you know, one of the only ones, I think, that did that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that Googling your name still reveals those videos <laughs> that we made all those years ago, which proves it yes. works, doesn't it? And, you know, yeah. yeah. So what what did media marketing look like when, when you got started in the business?
1: Oh, wow. It was, um, there was no digital. Um, no digital at all. It, there was a lot of what people probably refer to now as traditional Media. Um, <laughs> it's such a catch I know. Isn't it? I know. I don't know whether to call it analog or traditional, but but you know, <laughs> we did a lot of um, uh, TV magazine um, in the, the businesses that I worked in in Australia. We didn't do. Um, it wasn't so heavily PR driven. Um, there was a little bit of that, but it was more about um, you know developing um, print campaigns. Um, Television. We did some advertising, but we tended to do more. Um, there were there was some uh, businesses that ran sort of brand specific or um, uh, sort of formats that you, you could buy into the format instead of making mm. your own. Ad And that was really useful for us. You know, we were, in some cases, we were a, a small to medium-sized business without the big advertising budgets of, you know, big global players. So, you had to learn how to extract value um, across those mm. which were quite expensive media types quite quickly. The other thing that was really prevalent, um, uh, particularly in the food industry, was um, sampling. Um, whether it was in store, Uh, events, or stuff like that. I spent a lot of my early career in the dairy industry on weekends um, taking um, Danone yogurt to um, triathlons and runs and swims and children's shows and all sorts of things. So um, there was a lot of that 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 went on early in my career.
0: Yeah, one of one of my guests coming up on on this series is, is uh, someone who for whom sampling has really really worked and it's a key part of the business. And yeah, sorry sorry, advertising a, a future episode, but that really is uh, I think an important thing sampling, and it's it's massively underestimated I think by by many businesses.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think it is. I think it's also um, it's a bit like social media is now. Um, it takes lots of sort of small, clever steps, but you need to be consistent. If you just go out and sample once, you know, that's lovely, but it doesn't build any, um, any consistency with your brand or trust with your potential mm-hmm. consumers. So, um, you know, while social media, we can do it sitting at our desks, um, I understand that sometimes sampling uh, for businesses looks like it takes a lot of legwork to do.
0: Well, you recently undertook a a huge challenge yourself, didn't you? You you made a video every day for for about a month. Yes. Tell tell us more about why you did that and what you learned about yourself throughout the process.
1: Well, uh, I had um, attended uh, the at the end of May. I'd attended um, a four day business coaching um, workshop. I guess you'd call it, with the J.T. Fox organisation. And that was held in London, and there was about sort of 30, 35 people in the room. And uh, one of the um, the coaches, the, one of the four coaches that come and, and work with us on our, our businesses and what we're trying to do, talked about the value of um, video as a medium. And we're all sitting in the room going, oh, I don't video, you know, who does that? You know, that's all a bit scary. Um and he said if you want to he said this is about building a new muscle if you want to build a new muscle i'm going to set a challenge for you you have to do 30 videos on youtube every day for 30 days um you have to actually post it on youtube don't just film it you have to post it um and he explained that you didn't have to share it with anybody um on youtube there are Mm -hmm. different settings um and when i walked away i thought you know what i'm going to take this on um i've i've written a personal blog for 10 years um i'm quite active on um social media personally and a little bit professionally and i just it really struck a chord about learning this new skill and 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 i hear a lot that a lot of social media um channels really like video so all of the algorithms plug in and they love video so okay, well, I'm going to give this a go. Um, and at first, I think I was doing, the challenge was to talk for five minutes. So my first few videos, I rambled. I had no idea what I was going to say. Um, I look I looked back and it's that horrible thing of going, oh, look at, oh, gee, how can I come away? Um, so there was that. And then as I, um, I went along, I had a couple of days where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't feeling great. I didn't want to post, but um, one of the things I did with the group um, that I was with on this coaching workshop um, was I made a commitment to them that I would post the videos I did every day for them in the Facebook group. So, it made me accountable, and so I couldn't Mm. not post.
0: (laughs) So, how did you get over that hurdle?
1: I just sat in front of the video (laughs) that that particular day, and I just said... (laughs) I don't know what to talk about today. I'm not feeling that great. I'm not feeling very inspired, but I gave my word, and I promised. So and in the
0: process, you've you shared uh, a different side of you.
1: And that's that was the feedback that came back, because I wondered what, you know, you put this stuff out there and think, what what do people think? What will people say? We're so self-obsessed and vain, aren't we? Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, a number of people kind of reached out and said, you know, it was great. It, as you said, it showed a different side. It's a, you know, it's great to see that authenticity, and it encourages other people to to be that as well. That it's mm. okay not to be shiny and sparkly and super polished every time. And,
0: and you're a YouTube whiz now, right?
1: Well. <laughs> i don 't know about a whiz, but but what it did what this um, challenge did I mean the victory when I got to thirty videos in thirty days was just awesome. I danced around the room and all of that sort of thing it was It was great because it was a tough challenge, and I at the start i didn 't know whether i 'd be able to do it, so that was the first thing. The second thing it 's done is it's really um, I feel like it 's unleashed this this further storytelling um, part of my personality. Um, I really enjoy it. I have to say it's um, it's actually less work than blogging or less time, I should say, than blogging. Um, I've really learned how to um, uh, edit. I use some editing software now, some basic stuff, um, but it's also um, helped me to think about what I want to share with people. So um, I've been, um, for the last sort of six weeks. What I've done is posted five or six days a week. Um, It's not always video content, um, but that's part of learning the muscle as well, is that, okay, let's test out video content, let's test out different types of content, LinkedIn articles, and let's post them across a number of different mediums and see what the reaction is and what works.
0: And, And you come across as the type of person who embraces change anyway, an adaptable type of person. And, and and so this is being able to conquer, I suppose, if that's the right word, conquer YouTube, has perhaps said to to you, I can conquer any of these new tools. Am I right?
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd,
0: so you can explore new things. And
1: yeah, I've always been a bit of a oh, what's this? Let's give it a go. Mm. Um, but this, um, I think, the the YouTube challenge is the, the first time in probably a couple of years where I felt. Um, not just the shift in ability, but this, wow, this is great. Or, you know, I really enjoy it and I feel quite passionately about it. Um, mm. So it's given me that.
0: Yeah. So well, tell me about your approach to marketing yourself as, as a professional. Obviously, this is a part of it. So mm. tell me more.
1: Uh, so what the um, the social media um, platforms that I've been using have allowed me to do is really explore and hone um, what i believe i'm best at so yes i'm a marketer there are many marketers in the world um and what it it's made me do is think about so what are the things about marketing that i'm really passionate about that i'm great at that i've had some success with and that i really love to do and the three things that really um uh, hit um the core for me are um strategy so um pushing out and thinking longer term, um, and then working backwards. Uh, The second one is collaboration. Um, I really believe that if you work in marketing, you have to be a good collaborator, because for the most part, we produce nothing. We work with all different parts of an organization. So unless you're a great collaborator, um, I don't think um, marketing is anywhere near as powerful. And the third one is storytelling. Um, So a lot of people call this um, communications. But what I love in storytelling is that that's that's what human beings love. That's what we're all trying to do. And I'm trying to share um, stories about my experience. Uh, I share um, tips about what I've learned. Um, So I'm in the middle of um, doing a storytelling series of videos for YouTube on um, three steps to creating content. Um, So it's about finding ways to say, oh, what am I good at? What do I know? And how can I share this with people? How can I create value for people?
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you think storytelling has more relevance now than it used to?
1: I don't think it has more relevance. Um,
0: I guess um, where I'm coming from with that question is is the... Shorter attention spans and different mm. tools that we use and I wonder whether storytelling is is a grounding mechanism somehow to, to really fix on something And yeah yeah
1: I, I think so I, uh, so and the, re- the reason I hesitated I guess in answering that at first is that um, i don't believe it's more relevant I believe it's taken different shape mm. um, so marketing um, as a practice so when I first started in marketing i 'm a very um, a return on investment and commercially driven marketer, whether I work for a commercial business or not, I'm constantly asking where are we going and how does marketing deliver something to further that longer-term strategy or vision um, and what return are we getting for the activity? Um, now, there's, there, I think there was a bit of a lull for a while where um, perhaps marketers weren't so um, return on investment driven and that's now coming back. And with the advent of data and um, Data and the science of actually using that data is coming to the fore. So I think what's important about storytelling is you're right. It's about um, grounding um, grounding whatever your ethos or purpose or vision is with people. Um, people relate to stories. They don't necessarily relate to data. I think data is a great tool, but, you know, we relate to stories. We're all yes. storytellers. Yeah
0: and we and we use the analytics to to help us perhaps tell the story in the right way but it, but the story is the underlying factor
1: it is and it, it's mm. the way we build trust whether it's in our personal lives or our professional lives we tell stories and we work out you know is your story one i like and trust and do i want to you know do business with you be your friend whatever whatever that is
0: yeah Let, let's get nerdy for a moment what, okay. what are your favorite tools for everyday working life what works best for you
1: uh, in terms of social media, uh, I like I like Instagram and I like LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, what, what do you like
0: about Instagram?
1: Yeah, I like that it's very visual yeah. and quick, and I think that produces the the reason I like the two that I do is that they're very different in what I find is what takes hold. So a great picture and a quote on um, Instagram. Uh, i get a lot of attention about that whereas on um linkedin uh, a lot of the videos or a lot of more of the longer story telling seems to land mm. a little better um so i i and i'm quite a visual person so i like um I like Instagram quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I'm
0: the same way. Do you know, I came, I came to, it's not a conclusion. It was just a thought. But um, recently I've started to think about the different social media channels. And, and, you know, people say, oh, we need to have a certain personality on LinkedIn or a certain personality on Instagram and Twitter. Then I started to think those social channels have a personality of their own too. Mm. And we, we think of LinkedIn as more formal, more corporate, professional. Um, perhaps if it were personified it might wear a tie or at least a good uh, professional suit Instagram is a little less formal you know it's, it's more the human side of things Twitter is like the big crowd um, it, there's a confidence with it I do think social channels have their own personality and I think the closer you match your brand to the personality that's a social channel the more successful you might be I don't know this might be a load of rubbish but it's, what do you think? <laughs>
1: um i agree with you and i um when people ask me um, particularly over the last few weeks when i've been much more visible and doing much more content on things like linkedin um you know people say oh wow you know that's that's great um some ask you know what how how do you do that and i said well you have to work out what works for you if you're new to social media pick something you already use so if you already use um instagram just just try stuff out on Instagram. Don't think you have to be everywhere. If you're already on Instagram, you already have a, um, you know, like a preference for it. You like that medium. So start where you like. Um, I've been on um, uh, sort of Facebook and so I've been on LinkedIn since I came to London, almost since it started. And then I've been on Facebook for quite a long time as well. And part of that is about connecting with people. With people in Australia Uh, and then I I am on Twitter um, and I do post on Twitter uh, but what I find what I like about Twitter is not so much that I post but I like actually finding great people to follow and I find it a really great medium for doing searches on you know interesting content and topics that I'm interested in I really like um, Twitter for that so while I post I don't you know I don't focus on it quite so much.
0: Yeah, it can be a rabbit hole, can't it, sometimes? A bit like YouTube. You see something and then you lead to something else and an hour's gone.
1: Yes, definitely. Before
0: you know it. Yeah. Yeah. So what skills do you think a modern marketer has to have in in 2018 compared to, say, five or 10 years ago? Uh,
1: So I think um, that the modern market has to be accountable in terms of measures. So, um, a lot of, so, you know, even in working with the school where I'm a trustee, you know, marketing is not a school's forte, you know, they're not trained in that kind of thing. And one of the most common things I say is that we have to be able to measure the outcome, you know, the outcome, you know, how, how are we tracking against the outcome? So, I think um, modern marketers need to be Able to account for what their programs deliver and what their expenditure is delivering. Um, I also think it's it's quite important for modern marketers to. Um, when I say be media savvy, I don't necessarily mean you have to be out and about on everything, um, but I think you have to understand how. You know, how society is operating, how people are connecting, how influences work. And I don't think you can do that by avoiding um, social media Mm, channels. Yeah. yeah. yeah, So, you know, as I said, on the the school governing body, I'm the only marketer on the board. And there's a real, um, you know, when I talk about um, what you can do to market the school, when I talk about Twitter, it's like the shutters come up. You know, there is no, you know, no one's going to But, you know, when I said, you know, who's on LinkedIn here? And a few more put their hand up. And I said, follow on LinkedIn, share stuff, comment on it, like. I said, you don't have to be this guru about everything. It's just small things in the areas where you're comfortable.
0: Yeah. I I think uh, often uh, when you work with big companies as well, they want this social thing to be the company or the brand. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to actually be a part of it as an individual. And, and LinkedIn, you're kind of forced that away anyway, aren't you, and Facebook, because you've got to be yourself and represent your company. And, and I think people want to kind of hide, do I have to be myself? Can't we just send this out as the company? But it's not quite how it all works, is it?
1: No, and I think that's something else that um, is a shift in marketing. I think that uh, there's been a lot written about uh, how brands have lost trust um, and that that people trust people and people mm-hmm. don't necessarily trust brands anymore um, or as much, perhaps. So I think that's a little bit of a, you know, it's a sad indictment, I think, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's important where we often hear people bemoaning, um, you know, social media and no one talks to each other these days, but we do. We just talk yeah. to each other in a different way. And, and the idea is to try and build trust and community and connection in different ways and to try yeah. stuff out. I think that's the, the big mantra. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got quite an appetite for change, as you mentioned. Um, but, but try small things. Out. If you're already on LinkedIn, try some stuff. Sorry, yeah. yes,
0: that's all right. I'm, I'm just saying you're, you're preempting my next question, which was, "What advice can you pass on to to young media and marketing students, perhaps?" And and that's really it, isn't it? Don't don't be afraid of anything. Try stuff.
1: Try stuff. Um, and I think I, I was reading this morning, I'm reading um, Stephen Covey's um, Living the Seven Habits. So this there's stories about people who've taken his um, seven habits of highly successful people and implemented them in their lives. And one of the programs um, he was talking about, one of the, the things that happened was this initiative between um, troubled young teenagers at school and the local care home. Um, and and that they brought these two communities together. Um, Now at first there was a bit of resistance about it, but it wasn't just about um, one or the other, it's that both flourish when they let down their guard and just be with each other and learn about each other. So I think there's an appetite for change. And I think if you talk about young marketers, please remember that we oldies still have something to offer. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's nothing, for me, I'm really passionate about, you know, the difference marketing can make. So I love mentoring um, younger marketers and, and working with them to overcome challenges and things like that. And there's nothing better for me than someone saying, you know, asking a question or asking advice or sharing a success. So I think one of the things that older marketers can do, perhaps, um, is be, be open as well. I think it's both ends of the spectrum about being open to each other and how we can help each other and how we can learn from each other.
0: Diplomatically spoke. Yeah. How, do, how do we contact you, Kim?
1: Well, you can contact me probably the best ways on my Facebook page or my Instagram page, which are at Kim Hamer Consulting. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. You'll find me at Kim Hamer. um, And there's also um, email contact details on those sites as well.
0: Great. And I'll, I'll leave those in the description for this podcast as well so people can find you nice and easily. Thank you for joining me today, Kim.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. It's been great to chat to you, Sean.
0: That was Kim Hamer. You can find Kim on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and a multitude of other channels. Don't forget to check out her own website at g'dayfromtheuk.com. If you enjoyed our chat, please leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. And thanks again for the messages of support for the show. Keep those messages coming and take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. Until we meet again, bye for now.